All right, today we're going to be talking about another one of our ends, okay? and that is the invite part. And we're not just going to be talking about we want to be an inviting people because we believe that what God has given us, what he has introduced us to, is worth seeing other people brought into and introduced to. And um, what, we really, what we're going to be talking about today, though, is not necessarily our part in that, but we're going to be talking about the part behind that, which is when, how and when God, how Jesus invites us into what he's doing, right? Jesus invites us into having a relationship with him. Jesus invites us into a life of following after him and watching what he does, learning from him, having our lives changed and transformed by him. And so we want to talk about that. Now, in, in scripture, there's this phrase that Jesus uses regularly when he comes up to someone and he is inviting them in to that kind of relationship, that kind of following, right? He comes up and he says, follow me. And that, that encapsulates all of that. He says, follow me. Be with me. Listen. Learn from me. Take it in. Let it change you. Be transformed by me. Follow me. The passage that we're reading this morning is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Now, this is a familiar passage for a lot of you guys. The thing I love about God's word is that even those passages that are familiar to us, we can go in, we can read them, and God will always bring out something new. He does for me, anyway. Anytime, every time I read these stories, something new, there's something new he wants to show me. There's some new challenge that he throws up to me. Some new way he wants to be at work in my life. And so we want to listen to what God is saying. Let's stand together and listen to God's word this morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me, there's those words, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. Jesus extended his invitation to them. Jesus extends his invitation regularly to us. You can be seated. So when our kids were uh, younger, like many of you who have kids, many of your kids, they were involved in all kinds of stuff, right? So um, uh, our kids, am I good? Or is it kind of, Sorry. Okay, our kids were, uh, they were involved in all kinds of things. They had all kinds of activities. They had school, obviously, they had to go to. Uh, they had friends they wanted to hang out with. But also, like, our girls were involved in dance. Uh, our son had a paper route. Um, we had all kinds of stuff that was going on in our household at any one time. Uh, Michael was also, not only did he have a paper route and have these other things, but he was involved in soccer. And soccer was one of those things that he loved. When he started out... Uh, we started in a small town, central Kansas. A uh, tiny town took about 10 minutes to walk from one end to the other, either way you went, right? So tiny little town that we're in. But what that meant was that everything in this league was pretty simple, right? So uh, everything was accessible. You could get anywhere you needed to. If you forgot something at home, you just w walk home, you know, jog home and get it. Um, and there was a small pool of kids we're drawing from, so you don't have multiple layers for any age group. It's just one league. Everybody knows where they're at. Um, it, it was pretty simple. It was also, the, the expectations were pretty low, <laughs> right? I mean, to the point that I even got to coach. 
<laughs> that, is, that is no expectations at all. Okay, so, so then we move. We move to this uh, larger town. And in this larger town, we found that because uh, it was larger, they had more kids, had more families. Uh, they had, and those families had higher expectations of what these programs are going to do for their kids. And so you have multiple levels, and you have higher expectations on, on the coaches and everything. So I did not get to coach in that town. There was a, I, I couldn't believe this. They had this expectation that people that coach actually had experience or understanding of the game. So they said, I'm sorry, but it's not good enough to just be, you know, encouraging those kids out there. So, um, so Michael got involved in this, and, and uh, as he got going, um, this was also the place that we were first introduced to the concept of the traveling team. You guys all know the traveling team, right? And, and some of you guys have been on the traveling team, or you've had kids on the traveling team. And, and this was one of those, and to be on the traveling team, you had to be invited to that traveling team by your coach. You had to be invited to try out for that. And so Michael was invited. It was a huge honor to receive this invitation to be on this traveling team. Now, what that meant, though, was that you had higher expectations about what's going into this, right? Because traveling team, as name implies, means that you're going to be traveling because you have to find other traveling teams that have that same kind of higher level of skill that you can compete with. And uh, what that means is you have to also hire expenses because you have to um, sometimes pay for lodging or pay for food or pay for that kind of uh, next level of equipment and all that. You guys know this. You've been in this. You've lived this, haven't you? Um, so here we are and we're invited. And all of that might have been workable, but there was another requirement. And that was that uh, they had Sunday games. And not just Sunday games, but Sunday morning games. And for, I don't know, for... I would say maybe an obvious reason. Um, that didn't work for me so well. Uh, but also our family on a more personal level, we had just made the commitment that we were really going to try and avoid uh, things that would take us out of the gathering of God's people, this gathering of the church. And so um, we, we had to decline. Michael had to decline that invitation because, and I want you to hear this, invitations... Sometimes, no matter how great the invitation, how, no matter how good it sounds, no matter how good it is, there are some invitations that just, they conflict with either values or else uh, commitments that we already have. That we said that these are commitments that we have, that these are more important. And so we have to turn down the, the invitation. We have to decide whether, and when we know that when these invitations come along, they have the potential to change everything, to really change things in our lives. And so we have to decide, do we want our lives changed in that direction, or do we decide, no, we do not want to accept the invitation. In Mark chapter 1, we read an account where Jesus is essentially extending an invitation to these two, uh, these two brothers to come and follow him. Uh, they're, they're out fishing, you know, as we're sitting here and I'm looking out, you know, you guys don't get the view I do, but um, I'm looking out over the beach and imagine, you know, it's just a beach like this, Jesus is walking along, here's Simon and, and uh, Andrew, his brother, and they're doing what they do every single day. And they're out there and Jesus comes up and he says, listen, I want you guys to, to leave all that behind. I want you to leave your nets, I want you to leave your boat, I want you to leave fishing behind, I want you to come follow me. And, and you go, well, what does that even mean, 
right? What does come follow me? Did they, they didn't know what come follow me. Does that mean we just wander along behind you and just hope something happens? We wait for something to pop up and then we know? It, or they had this, this model of, you know, rabbis would go and they get students, disciples, and, and it, following them meant that you spend your life trying to learn what I do and how I think so that you start imitating and modeling your life after me. Is that what he meant? That was a huge risk, wasn't it? Have you ever thought about what the disciples were risking to follow? How many of us would actually take Jesus up on that kind of an invitation, that kind of a risk? Imagine that you're down here at Goddard Park, right? And you're down here just doing your thing. You're doing what, what you do. And some guy comes up and he says, hey, I want you to leave everything behind. Everything, all the stuff, you know, the stuff that's defined your life, Everything that's defined kind of who you are and, and has given you security, everything that, that has given you this connection and routine in your life, I want you to leave that behind. I want you to just kind of come out and hang out with me. Every day, <laughs> 24 hours a day, just, just come be with me. No idea how you're going to be provided for. No idea uh, what you're supposed to be doing. No idea what your position is in this new movement, this new organization, whatever it is, no idea what, what all that is. How many of us would actually, actually take up that call? That is a tough call, isn't it? But they left their nets and they followed him. You know, there are plenty of stories like this throughout the New Testament, uh, throughout this, the first four books of the New Testament in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're called the Gospels. They're the story about Jesus' life. And in all four of those books, there's stories like this scattered out through there. And not everybody took Jesus up on that invitation. There were those who turned him down, went the other way, because it was, it was too big an ask. And we need to realize, we need to realize, you know, sometimes we go to the Bible and we think, well, of course they said yes, it was Jesus. They didn't know the end of the story yet. They didn't know everything that was going to happen. They just knew some guy had come up and they said, you know what? Now, they knew some things about Jesus, but they just knew that he was asking them, he was making a big ask on their life. This is a big invitation. And we need to realize that when Jesus invites us into, into something, when Jesus opens an opportunity to us, just like with them, we have two options. We can accept but we too, we can turn him down. Sometimes we look at the invitation that Jesus gives us and we go, I'm not sure that that, that that really fits my life too well. I like what I have going on. I like how things are. And that makes it a tough call, doesn't it? We have the ability to accept. We have the ability to turn it down. What would be the thing that would make us turn it down? Well, one of the things that would make it turn us down is, is just the unknown. Sometimes we have trouble saying yes to Jesus because we're looking ahead and we're going, I don't know where you're going. I don't know what you're even asking me to do really right here. So we turn him down. Another reason, it's really found in the next story. We start getting a, a, a picture of, of some of the things that even challenge us. Um, Jesus, he, he asks Andrew and, and Simon, he walks a little bit further down the, we, the beach and he finds John and James and they're fishing too. But their setup is a whole different setup. I don't know if you've noticed this. You have these two stories back to back. They look like exactly the same story except for this. James and John, it says, they were fishing with their dad and with several hired hands. 
So all of a sudden you've raised the stakes on this thing. It's fairly easy to say yes when it's just you. When it's just your decision is going to impact just you, right? That's fairly easy. But here they're going to have to walk away from their dad who's counting on them. In fact, their dad who's probably training them to be the, some of the new management in this, this little company they got going, this fishing uh, company that they have going that's doing pretty well. In fact, they've hired a couple of people. They're going to be leaving their dad. They're going to be leaving these two employees that are counting on them to show up every day to help bring in enough to make this worthwhile. They've raised the stakes at this. You know, if, if, if we think it's hard leaving a situation where all of our decisions are kind of encapsulated in us, that makes it hard enough. For example, if, if Jesus says, hey, I need you to change a habit in your life. Yeah, this one habit is not a good habit. It's kind of it's messing up your life, messing up the lives of others. I need you to change it. I need you to start doing this instead, getting a better habit in your life. And we go, okay, I can do that, Right? That doesn't involve anybody else. It doesn't let anybody else down. It doesn't involve their input. I can do that. If he says, I need you to change your routine, I need you to take some time from this that you're investing in, in, invested in this, take it away from maybe a hobby or, you know, you love fishing, that's great, but you fish too much. You need to maybe invest in some people a little bit, right? Okay, and, and we're like, okay, I can handle that. That's, but that's still, it's tough. It's like, but I really like fishing, you know, I right? I really like this thing that I'm doing. And God says, but, but we can handle that. But then let's raise it up a notch. And he says, when he says, I want you to follow in a way that directly affects other people. I want you to follow in a way that's going to seem to let them down or that you're going to kind of be diminished in their eyes because all those measures of success that you're hitting, yeah, I'm going to move you away from there and they're going to say, why'd you bother? You know, that doesn't seem like a good move. For example, you have this lucrative career and Jesus says, you know what, I want you to maybe get partially out of that or move some time out of that or get completely out of that. I want you to invest in a ministry. I want you to invest in, in maybe a, a non-profit that's helping other people. And you're going, ah, that's a tough call, right? What if he says, you know, I, uh, this time that's yours, I want you to take some time and I want you to um, take it away from things that you think are really important, like um, you're investing, this great, you're investing time in your family and you're investing um, time in yourself to develop yourself and you're investing time in these, these things that you're good at, but I want you to take some of that time and I want you to start investing in some of the people that are kind of out on the margins, that don't have anybody investing time in them and they need somebody to invest time in them. The people that we saw Jesus investing his time in. He says, I want you to take some of that time and invest it over here. You go, ah, that's, that's a tough call. That's a hard one to say yes to. Or maybe he says, you know, I want you to you take some of those talents and skills that you have, those abilities you have, and invest them maybe in those places that you won't be seen as much. Invested in those people that people don't care about as much. Maybe as children that I want you to invest in the kids. I want you to invest in some of the youth or invest in some of those who, who nobody sees in our society. Instead of going and investing them always in this place where, you know, those, those high impact and high influence places where you're seen and everybody gives you accolades for doing such a good job. Say, that's, that's kind of hard to give up, Right? Raises the stakes. You know, one of the, one of the stories uh, we read a couple of weeks ago, we looked at 
uh, where we see this in play, there was this rich young man that came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He says, basically, he's kind of saying, I have everything I think. It seems to be set. What do I need to gain this one more thing? And Jesus, you know, in talking to him, and, and in, he's finding out who this guy is, and he's finding out the commitments he has and the values he has, and he says, Jesus loved this guy. He says, one thing you're missing in your life. He says, sell everything that you have, give it to those who need it, and come and follow me. Same call that he gave to, to uh, Simon and Andrew, right? Same call that he gave to James and John. He said, leave that and come follow me. Leave everything you know, everything you think you have together, and come follow me. He said, this guy couldn't do it. Same words. But for this guy, it was a really tough call. Because it says he had a lot of stuff. He couldn't accept. So he walked away from Jesus. Right? Because there are times when the invitation, no matter how good it is, we have other commitments, we have other values, we have other investments that we've made, and we say, you know, I can't see myself giving this up to do what you're calling me to do. So here's the bigger question, right? It's not just, why would we say no? We get that. We get why we'd turn it down. Why would anybody ever say yes? Right? Why would anybody ever say yes? Why did these disciples say yes? There's only one reason that anyone would ever say yes to Jesus. And it's a thing, it's a thing that the Bible calls that we would say, it's called faith. You guys are going, well, that seems like a church word. That seems like a Christian thing to say. That seems like a Sunday school kind of answer. I'm not talking about the faith that says, faith that believes, you know, that we, if we believe hard enough, it'll happen. That somehow if you have faith that Jesus will do everything for you that you want done anyway. I'm not talking about the faith that says that I don't see it, but I'll believe it anyway. The faith I'm talking about is the faith that I believe undergirds everything we do everything that we are as those who follow Jesus, as those who believe in him, okay? That's three things to me. One is this. The first things that we believe that makes us say yes to Jesus is this. We know we are broken. We know we are so fundamentally and profoundly broken that we don't even know how broken we are. We know that when we look at our brokenness and we say, there's something messed up in this life, I can even name it something. I can give it a name to tell you that I, I know it's there, but I don't know where it came from. I don't know what to do about it. I, I, we are so broken, we don't even know how to ask the questions that find the answers. We can't fix it because we, we think we develop all these skills to zero in on this one thing that we say is broken, whether it's in our health, whether it's in our spirit, whether it's in our mind. We fo focus on this one thing, and we finally fix that. We get that under control, and all of a sudden this other thing pops up. And it seems like every time that we fix this, this pops up. And we go, I didn't even know those were connected. And then we work on this one, and a third thing pops up. We're so broken, it is so networked and woven into us, we just can't even get away from it. And the first piece of our faith is that we know that we are broken. 
And there's nothing that we can do about it because we can't even, we, we don't even know how to look at it. There are things, there are things that we are doing wrong we don't even know that we're doing wrong because there's so much a part of us. You can look at the last year and a half, two years, and all the things that have popped up in our culture, and there are people, there are groups of people out there that you feel are accusing the group that you're a part of, that, that they are doing something wrong. We might be doing something wrong. And we don't even know it. Why? Because we're broken. Everybody's broken. But we are broken. We don't know if the things that we're doing, if they're going to help, if they're going to hurt. We come up with new ideas. You look at this vaccine thing. Okay, we're going to get political now. No, we're not. We're just going to talk about being broken. You find a fix for something, and there are people out going, going, I'm not sure that's a fix. Why? Because we've come up with fixes before that haven't been fixes. Have we really? Yes, we have. We do it every day of our lives. Because we don't know if we say, I think this will help, but then we get in and half the time we find out it hurts as much as it helps, right? Am I right? Because we're broken. And that is the foundation of where our faith starts. The second part of our faith is this. That because of that, we know that somebody has to come from outside of that and speak into it if we're going to know anything about anything. It can't be somebody from within this broken system because we're all jabbering about what fixes stuff already. We need somebody from outside. And we believe that has to be God who would speak from outside of that brokenness and tell us about what is right, what is wrong, what is the fix, what is the problem. And that he would not only come up with the tell us about it, but he would actually be the one that would bring the solution. It has to come from outside. Our faith says we have to have somebody that comes from outside. And that it has to be God. Third thing that, we, that is a part of our faith is we believe that that God that comes in from the outside that speaks to us, that he is good. He is nothing but good. He is good through and through. There is not, if there was even an inkling that maybe he would wake up and have a bad day one day, we are in trouble. If, he, if there's an inkling that one day his patience would wear out and he says, I am done with all of you, we're in tr trouble. If there is, James talks about he has no shadow of turning. He has no even not even the slightest a shadow how much weight does a shadow have none right there's nothing to it there's not even just even the smallest bit that god might change or turn who he is that he is good and that he comes in and he has given himself to coming in and to speaking in so that he might rescue us that he might restore us that we might be saved that we might be brought out that we might be that this thing that we don't even know how to address, that he might fix it. That is what we believe. Right? Right? That is what we believe. And because of that, because of that, when these disciples, why would they say yes to Jesus? What is the only reason that you would ever say yes to someone like that is because when you look at them or when you hear about them what you hear is you go 
you know, I think that's God. I think that is God in human form coming in, and he's bringing us that. He's bringing us to the answer to the question we didn't even know how to ask. I believe I'm going to follow him because he knows, he knows what the, the, the problem is. He knows what the solution is. He is bringing that solution. I'd, I'd follow him anywhere. I'm going to leave everything I was working on to fix my problem. I'm going to leave that because I think he actually has the answer to this thing. That's the only thing. Why would anyone ever drop everything, including res- things that have responsibilities and ties to other people? You know you're going to let them down. You know you're going to diminish in their sight. Why would you ever say yes? Because you believe that that someone is God himself. You believe that he's taken on human form and that he is there to answer this question. That's why the disciples left everything. There's another story in uh, the book of John, in John 1, 35 through 37. It tells about Andrew. It's a different uh, occasion. And um, John the Baptist. So this is a different John than we met in the other story. There were a bunch of Johns running around in the first century. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, John the Baptist, it says, one day John the Baptizer, he was this guy that was leading, there's this amazing movement happening uh, in Israel. And it says, John the Baptist, uh, he was standing with two of his disciples, his students, when he saw Jesus walking by, and he said, behold the Lamb of God. Now previously he had said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What was he saying? He says, look at, this is the one who came from God. And this is the one who's going to take away this broken thing that we all know is there, but we don't know what to do about. And it says those disciples, when they heard that, they went and they followed Jesus. Why would you do that? Because you know who he is. That's the only reason anyone would ever say yes to Jesus. You guys, Jesus is not going to uh, make um, the brokenness of this world necessarily. He's not going to uh, taken and, and make us successful in the way that we think we, are, we want to be successful. He's not going to make us successful according to the, the measures that this world said that uh, we should be successful in. He says, I will take you and rescue you out from all of that so that you can find the life that I truly intended for you and intended you for, if you will follow me. But that's a tough call, isn't it? Through the eyes of faith, they recognized Jesus and his invitation was worth accepting, no matter what the price, no matter what the cost, whatever the risk, no matter what the, was the, the unknown that was in front of them, and they followed him. You guys, we're about to hear some stories from, and some testimonies from some people that want to follow Jesus in baptism. They are the ones who have had their eyes of faith opened up, and they say, you know what, I too am going to follow him. I am making a public statement that this is what my life has been about or is about, is going to be about. I am saying yes in front of you so that you who have also made that statement might know that about me, might know that I too am following Jesus. You guys, they have seen that life without, without Jesus is, not, is, is in a confusion that we have no answers for and that he becomes that answer that Jesus is the only one that has come from the outside that can bring uh, understanding to those questions that Jesus can bring solution to those problems that we don't know where they come from or how that he has this uh, 
this insight, this wisdom, this strength, this ability to do that. And so they're going to be coming and, and sharing their stories about how they have given their lives to Jesus too, so that they also might be rescued. Amen? That's why we gather. That's half of the fun of, of um, <clears throat> excuse me, that's half the fun of Goddard Park. The muffins, definitely a big part. <laughs> but the baptisms, to see these people that come and say, you know what, Jesus has touched and entered my life as well. <clears throat> what does that mean for us? I'm going to give you guys two things to think about, okay? Two things. One is this. For some of you, what we've just talked about, it may be hearing about Jesus in a way that you haven't thought about him. It may be hearing about that question that you've had in your own heart in a way you haven't thought about it. <coughs> Excuse me. You may be in that place where Jesus is calling you into something. He may be calling you into that same relationship where he's saying, will you also see with the eyes of faith that I am the answer to the question that you have? I am the only one that's worth following and dropping everything for in order to do it. Some of you are in that place, and you're in that place where Jesus is calling to you and asking you also right now to let go of your best answers, to let go of your worst problems, to let go of your life as you have seen it and as you have tried to control it and you've tried to manage it and you've tried to fix it and you've tried to make it work. Jesus is saying, you know what? I want you to, and you, you hear him saying that. I want you to let that go. Saying, I want you to let that go and leave that and come follow me. And I want you to, to learn what it means to follow me. And if that is you, oh, thank you, Derek. Thank you, sir. If that is you, I, I don't want you to miss this moment. I want you to take this moment. Now, you guys, some of you guys have had this conversation with Jesus, and some of you guys are going through a hard time, and you're walking through it with Jesus. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of you for the first time saying, I have, I've never had that conversation with Jesus to say, I'll leave this to follow you. But take this moment to do that. Don't miss it. It's not like he'll, he won't be back. But why would, you, why would you wait? Why would you turn down an invitation if you can see what he's asking in faith? You understand what he's saying. And you see that he is the one. So take this moment. It's as simple as a prayer. It's as simple as a prayer that just says, Jesus, you know what? I do. I, I leave everything behind. I leave all my failures, I leave all my successes, I leave all my best thinking, all my worst thinking. I leave it all behind because I want to come follow you, because I want you, I want you leading me. I want you involved in my life. I want you to rescue me and restore me as only you can. But take this moment and pray that prayer. Now some of you You've already prayed that prayer. You've already, you, you know Jesus. You're following him. Um, but some of you, um, I'm just going to encourage you. I, I feel like Jesus is inviting you to, to walk it out at a different level. He opens up opportunities for you to get involved. I mentioned the small groups. This is not a cheap plug for what we do, but that's the only reason we do them. 
Because we believe that when Jesus calls his people together, that we learn how to walk together with him. He says if two or three of you gather together, he'll be there. And he'll be the one that's doing the work. He's the one that's doing the shaping. So why wouldn't we be gathering together? Why wouldn't we be getting into his word? He says, I've spoken through my word from outside so that you might know what is right, what is wrong, what is the problem, what is the solution. So sign up. Get involved with a group of people to, to dive into God's word, to dive into community and life together, that we might find out what does it mean to be those who follow Jesus. I think that Jesus is here. He is always calling us. He's calling us to leave some things behind, to shift some things over, to make changes in our life so that we have room and we have space to give everything up to follow him. And I think he's calling us to him this morning. So this morning, I think as we go into the fall, it's important for us to think as a church, as individuals who God has called to this place, Jesus has called to this place, and we've said yes, to say, what is that? What is he calling me to do? What is he calling me? Who is he calling me to be? Who is he calling us to be? And what is that going to take? Do we, by faith, see what he's really saying? That he's the only one who knows what direction we should be going. Do we, by faith, are we going to be willing to say yes to his invitation? Yes to that tough call. You guys ready for this fall? Are we as a church, are we as Christ Church, are we ready for this fall? You guys, I said a couple weeks ago, I think that in spite of everything that's happened, in spite of everything that might be in front of us, always, but 2021, could, we, could see, we could see this be the best year that we've ever had in walking with Jesus. God has done amazing things in this church in the past. That's fine. But he's calling us to see him do amazing things through this church in the lives of our, the people of our community, not just in the past, but tomorrow, the next day, the next day. That's going to require that we, we say, okay, again, I'll let go of that, and I'll say, yes, I'll follow you. Amen? You guys ready? Okay, again, I think you're half asleep. Are you guys online ready? Because they're not talking to me down here. You guys ready? Yes. Amen.